I'm Maria, and welcome to the 3L podcast series, Limited Liability Leadership, Raising the Bar in Leading the Bar. Thanks for checking out our upcoming limited podcast series developed and produced by Class 8 of the W.N. Reese Smith Jr. Leadership Academy Program of the Florida Bar. Hi, this is the Limited Liability Leadership Podcast, where we will discuss raising the bar and leading the bar. My name is Tiffany Hilton, a consultant with MetLife in Tampa, Florida, and a member of the Florida Bar Leadership Academy Class 8. Today, I will be your host discussing career challenges during a pandemic. I'm excited to introduce our three guest speakers. BJ Ocular, partner with the firm Liebler, Gonzalez, and Perjuwando in Miami, Florida. Kimberly Woods, senior associate with Boyd and Jennerette in Jacksonville, Florida. And Jennifer Delgado, an estate and trust attorney at CATS, Baskey and Wolf in Boca Raton. Practicing in a virtual environment has become the norm for many these days. But in practice, how do we navigate hearings and mediations via Zoom, Kimberly? Well, thank you, Tiffany, for introducing me. First things first, I think it's important to note that Zoom mediations and hearings are here to stay, especially in the civil world. It has allowed for both sides to save on expenses, but most importantly, it has allowed courts to maximize their time and resources. As all of us have heard at this point, there is a substantial backlog of cases due to COVID and the ability to conduct some hearings and mediations via Zoom or web conferencing or even telephone is going to be one of the ways that we address this backlog. But the question is, how do we navigate and adapt to this changing you know, legal landscape that we have now? And for hearings you know, that are via Zoom or WebEx, it's important that you coordinate important details between all counsel. You know, no detail is going to be too small. Don't assume that all judges utilize the same platform. I've seen where there are hearings being conducted by Zoom or some other type of video conferencing like WebEx, um, but some are being conducted by phone as well. Some judges post their specific instructions for setting hearings on their websites and We've seen that the platform is really dependent upon the judge and even the county. You know, some judges will have their own Zoom or WebEx or phone conferencing accounts, and they'll provide you with that information when you request a hearing. But you also have judges that are, you know, conducting their hearings via via telephone, which I found to be the most interesting way. Recently, I had a case management conference where We were instructed to call a phone number for the hearing, and both myself and opposing counsel called the number individually, and the judge answers the phone. Now, neither of us realized that we were supposed to call each other and then use that phone number to conference the judge in. Now, thankfully, the judge wasn't upset, but myself and opposing counsel, we were were both a little embarrassed by the situation. So, again, it's really important that you make sure you you know exactly how your, your particular hearing is going to be conducted. But as we navigate this new landscape, there's going to be a lot of good and bad that comes with it. You know, obviously on the pro side, it can be very cost effective. You don't have to travel to the courthouse for a five minute hearing like a motion to set in case management conference. And, you know, for me specifically, I I used to work downtown and have to walk to the courthouse. And that was a 15 minute walk for five minutes and then 15 minutes back. And that that can be very uh, time consuming. But most importantly, it's very efficient for the judges and the attorneys to to continue with this particular type of um, 
having hearings. But there are a lot of disadvantages as well. Um, it doesn't work well for large, complex hearings or hearings that require extensive evidence presentations. Um, and when I say large hearings, I mean where you have numerous defendants. You know, I used to do construction defect litigation where they had 75 plus defendants and that just would not work on a Zoom or WebEx type of um, platform. But you also have issues in terms of evidence presentation if you can't present the evidence that you would necessarily present at a hearing. It can be tricky if you're not prepared for the pitfalls of technology. And we all know that there are tons of pitfalls to technology. Um, I have found the most, the most, I'd say probably the pressing disadvantage that we do have is that lack of face-to-face time with your judges and your opposing counsel. Um, a lot of times you would take the hearing up, you know, you take a hearing and you would have the opportunity to meet with opposing counsel face to face. And a lot can get done when people meet face to face. Sometimes it's really difficult to to pin an opposing counsel down until you see him at a hearing and you say, hey, I've been trying to get to you. Can you send me a demand or something along those lines? You know, that face to face interaction was really key. And so we are seeing that not being able to have that can make you know, getting your cases resolved or even moving your cases in a positive direction has definitely been impacted. So, Kimberly, do the issues you face with the lack of face-to-face translate over to mediations as well? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, They definitely translate to mediations as well. And actually, I think they're probably more prevalent in your mediations. Um, The lack of face-to-face interaction specifically, it's difficult to you know, ensure that the mediation process is being taken as seriously. Um, Traditionally, if you're having a face-to-face mediation, everybody comes in and everybody's all dressed up and your clients are all there and they really, they're able to to see, you know, this is what a a court is actually going to hear. This is how the evidence is going to be presented. And so sometimes there's question as to whether or not even the client is taking it as seriously when everybody is basically a square on Zoom. It's also difficult to have client control when you have Zoom because your client is typically, um, they have their own square and you can't tell them, hey, this is what you can and cannot do. Um, You can try to prepare them as best as you can, but it's difficult if you can't sit next to them and really have that interaction. And it's also really difficult to have sidebar conversations with counsel You know, when I had my last face to face mediation, you know, there was, I think, three of us and we all came out and just said, hey, are we going to be able to get this done today? What are we actually looking for? And, you know, even with breakout rooms, it's very difficult to have those type of honest conversations when you're not in person. Pre-COVID, mediator, the mediator, if he if he thought we weren't all being productive, he'd grab everybody and say, hey, can we can we sit down and actually be real about this? And so you're missing that. But. Again, there are benefits that can't be ignored. Probably the most notable is that it is very cost efficient. It has reduced travel costs, especially as an insurance defense attorney. You know, I don't have to necessarily go out and hire an independent adjuster because my adjuster is typically not in the area or local. It, you know, reducing travel costs, it can be a very good way to get things done in a very cost effective manner. And it's also, I think, very beneficial for the plaintiffs as well. Um, I think it's also more efficient. I think we're able to get more done because, again, you don't have mediators traveling all over the place as well. So um, but most importantly, it allows for cases to move towards resolution in a time where we weren't really 100 percent sure how long quarantine or the pandemic was going to last. 
you know, in Florida, you're required to have a mediation before a case can go to trial. And the ability to have these via Zoom or video conferencing has really allowed for us to keep this process moving. You know, so I, I honestly believe that mediations via Zoom are going to be here to stay. Um, it's important, though, if you're if you're unfamiliar, it's very important to make sure you understand how your mediator is handling virtual mediations. You know, are they using Zoom? Are they using WebEx? Are they using breakout rooms? I've had mediators still do it by telephone, um, no matter how difficult that might actually be. And, you know, mediations via Zoom do present some unique challenges. So it's important to be prepared, plan ahead if you plan to to share your screen. Um, You don't want to embarrass yourself by sharing your screen with all your personal information on it. So, again, preparation is, is very important. Um, prep your client for the potential issues that you may have and make sure you get everybody's phone number because the internet is increasingly unstable. And so um, a lot of times it can be very helpful if you can text the mediator and say, hey, I got kicked off. I'll be back on shortly or something like that. Um, But hearings and mediations via Zoom or whatever the platform is have really allowed for litigation and pretrial litigation to continue to move their cases in a positive direction. And with the backlog that we are all anticipating, these methods will continue to be used while we return to some semblance of normalcy. Thank you, Kimberly. Jennifer, do you believe that the methods that we've used this past year in terms of hearings and mediations will change how we interact with clients? Yes, definitely. The new methods that we're using for hearings and mediations are similar to how we're interacting with clients. One of the new ways we are interacting with clients is by video conferencing, such as Zoom. And there are pros and cons to video conferencing. The disadvantages of video conferencing is there is a lack of personal connection, especially if you're meeting a client for the first time. Second, for elderly clients, it may be difficult for them to use a video conferencing. There's also privacy issues. The client may not have a private place uh, to hold the video conference. And lastly, sharing documents. If the client is not tech savvy or does not have a scanner to upload documents or secure source to share documents, then it may impede their ability to exchange the documents. So for example, I'm an estate planner. I usually ask my clients to show me their prior estate plan. However, this can present an issue if they don't already have it electronically saved or have a scanner in order to send it to me. There are, however, advantages to video conferencing. Of course, they're cost effective. You don't have to reserve a conference room or lease space. It's faster. It saves time and traveling. There are less formalities. However, this does come at a cost because it is more difficult to build that trust and confidence with a client on a video conference than in person. Like when you meet by video conference, a client could easily end the meeting and just shop for another attorney. However, when you meet in person, it's easier to make that personal connection and the client invests time and resources as well. Traveling to your office, it may take time off of work. There are some practice areas that attorneys need to meet in person for. What changes have you seen by still seeing some clients outside of the virtual environment, Jennifer? Most practice areas can be performed remotely. However, execution of estate planning documents are still preferred in person. 
For in-person meetings, there are a number of precautions that can be taken to make clients feel safe and comfortable. These precautions include masks, which are mandatory, social distancing, individuals, you can seat them on opposite sides of the conference room, at least six feet apart. Safety shields can be used to divide conference room tables. Cleaning and sanitizing in between meetings is especially important for pens and, and surfaces, things that get touched a lot. Don't schedule overlapping appointments. This prevents clients from congregating in the lobby. Check temperatures. And lastly, ill clients and staff are advised to definitely stay home. So what can you tell us about drive-through meetings? So for a drive-through meeting, clients either can stay in their car or meet the attorney outside. However, this does present some issues. First, there's there may be a privacy issue. If you work downtown in the city, a client may feel uncomfortable speaking with you and you have to be concerned about attorney-client privilege. Second, weather can be an issue if it rains or it's windy, which I personally have experienced. So overall, I believe that in-person interactions can never truly be replaced. However, video conferencing is an excellent alternative for attorneys and clients to inter interact, especially during a pandemic. Thank you, Jennifer. Even during a pandemic, I know we still need to make sure we're working on advancements in our pro professional careers. We are so used to networking and attending events in person, but not anymore. What has changed, BJ? Well, COVID, honestly, it's, um, I think, it's just changed the way uh, we, we handle our day-to-day -day lives. And initially, I, I know for me, but I would imagine for a lot of people out there, um, you know, career development um, and networking really was placed on the back burner uh, when the pandemic hit. And um, I think in a, to an extent, that's okay. It's okay to, to allow that to happen because what's important first and foremost is your family, your health, uh, your loved ones, right? Um, and besides, you're never really going to do career development and networking uh, really fully well unless you're engaged and you're not going to be focused if you've got your health and family and well-being at, at issue. So um, I think once you once we got past that, um, Zoom has a, a ton of, of benefits to allowing you to do career development. And it's um, it's it's time to, to take it off the back burner and bring it to the bring it to the forefront and use Zoom to your advantage. Let's talk about Zoom and the interactions with people for career development. What are some key tips that you would suggest to people to maximize their career development and networking during a pandemic? So I, I think I like to call them the virtual etiquette requirements. Um, you know, they're basically very basic, but uh, they apply in, in non-Zoom life and non-virtual life, but also really in, in Zoom uh, in the Zoom world and the virtual world for networking and career development. Uh, let's go through that really quickly. Um, first is be on time. Just just because you're on Zoom meeting from the comfort of your couch doesn't mean you, you don't have to be on time. Uh, the same thing. You don't want to be late to an in-person meeting, so don't be late to a, a Zoom meeting. It's, it's disruptive. Um, it, it wastes time. And, and when you join a, a Zoom meeting um, late, uh, you have to stop the meeting and kind of bring that person up to speed. So the same thing applies as as in real world um, when when you do it in person. It applies in the, in the Zoom world as well, in the virtual world. Second, uh, be in a quiet spot. 
you need good internet connection. Uh, that that's that's a big difference than than being in person. You need to make sure you have a strong internet and bandwidth to be able to do a Zoom meeting. No one wants you to stop mid sentence and a frozen face on on the on your little box. Um, and also, you know, you don't want to have distractions in the background. Um, we've all seen them. I mean, there's social media everywhere of, of, of kids in the background or, or relatives or family members. Um, and it's funny at first, but if it repeat every time it happens after a while, you know, it gets a little annoying and, and it becomes disruptive. Yeah, I had, as an example, I had uh, a, a situation um, where there was an individual uh, in the background, a family member was walking around with a parrot on their shoulder. And uh, the first time it was funny. But then you, it happened every other time and you know, it wasn't funny anymore. You're like, okay, we get it. You got a parrot in your house. So let, let's, let's move on with why we're on this meeting. So uh, you know, try to eliminate the background noise and the distractions. Third, be focused and engaged. We're in the age of, of social media and technology. You can multitask and that's great. But when you're in a meeting and you're trying to, certainly when you're trying to network and make connections, don't multitask. Don't check your emails. Be engaged in the conversation. Um, you know, you want the group to know that you're serious about whatever cause it is. Um, so, so just be engaged. That, that's key. And number four, dress appropriately. No one wants to see you lounging by the pool. This is not to test out your next TikTok video moves or, or, or your outfit. Just be engaged and dress appropriately. Um, you know, kind of dress for the part that you want. No one says you need to wear a three-piece suit, but try to look presentable. So again, very basic, but virtual etiquette, the same things that would apply in, in standard um, in-person um, Zoom, in-person meetings apply to Zoom meetings as well. Okay, BJ, now that we have the virtual etiquette down, what are some of the advantages offered by Zoom to do networking or career development? So a, a lot of that, uh, advantages. One, and we've talked about this before, I think uh, my colleague Kim mentioned that it, it eliminates travel. Uh, you don't you don't have to deal with rush hour. Um, you don't have to deal with from getting one place to another on time. You just pop on to the to the to the virtual platform and, and you're on the meeting. Um, so it also makes you more efficient and, and maximizes um, uh, more involvement. You can you can join multiple groups and, and be a part of multiple events uh, just from your home. So it, uh, that also allows you to expand your reach. Um, just because you've got a, you know, there's an organization that maybe meets outside your city. Maybe I'm, I'm located in Miami. Uh, maybe there's an organization in Fort Lauderdale and there's no way I can make it on a normal, you know, monthly meeting. But I can attend the Zoom meetings monthly. And then when there's a big event, uh, I'll, I'll drive up for it. So it expands it's, expands my footprint for where I can get involved and what type of organ, organizations I can get involved in. So, um, you know, I think those are those are really the key the key factors that Zoom provides. So now that we've been using virtual meetings in Zoom for a while now, what are some ways we can use it to our advantage? So in addition to what we talked about before, I think um, inside the Zoom platform itself, something that I've seen that's very beneficial is, is the breakout rooms. Smaller groups allow for everyone to interact and speak. Um, you can get to connect on a, on a smaller scale. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, you keeping your virtual etiquettes in, in mind, uh, it allows you to, to share and, and communicate with, the, with each other. And in the small groups, um, you know, you're not fighting for, for screen time. You're not fighting, fighting for, the, for the microphone. So, uh, you know, use a small anecdotal icebreaker. 
What are you doing with, with the pandemic? How are you handling getting your shot uh, since we're all kind of um, on, on that basis? And talk, talk a little bit about that and break the ice because everybody's got a similar story or, or, or something of that nature. So the small breakout rooms really helps to make a, make a connection with, uh, with the group. Uh, another one uh, one of my colleagues had mentioned was, uh, was speed Zoom, kind of like speed dating. So you have an organizer who's um, shuffling people in and out of the room, and you've got a limited set of time to to get to know somebody, maybe perhaps a, a specific question or something that you, you got to get information from, and, and you just kind of rotate it. So uh, it's kind of a fun way to, to interact through Zoom. The key is whoever you communicate with, you got to continue the communication. And, and Zoom really helps that. You know, in, in-person networking was, okay, I, I would go one time to a meeting and, and I saw people and maybe next month I'd go to that meeting again and see them again. But here in Zoom, you don't have to do that. Uh, you know, you can, um, you can have Zoom happy hours, uh, which is great. You share recipes for cocktails and everybody uh, talks about the cocktails they like. Or you do Zoom wine tasting. I know an organization uh, recently that did where you purchased three bottles of wine and it was a set bottle, set price, you know, 30, 40 bucks. And they send you three different bottles of wine and they had a sommelier come in and, and talk about wine tasting. And it was a cool way to cool way to interact. And you got to hear what other people thought about the wine. And, and it was also a way to raise money. And it was a, there was a link where you could uh, donate some money to the cause of, for the event. So it was a really unique way uh, to handle and uh, take Zoom to your advantage and, and use it to your benefit. Are there any other things we should be doing after Zoom meetings to stay engaged and connected with the people that we've met? So, yeah, um, after Zoom meetings, you, you want to continue the dialogue, continue the communication. Um, it, it, it builds that relationship. Once you build a relationship, you know, um, career development can follow. Uh, and uh, that's what's key. So one of the things we, I would recommend is create group chats or like WhatsApp. Um, create that for, for your, uh, for your, the entity that you're, you're trying to get involved with allows you to communicate outside of just, uh, just a specific, uh, isolated Zoom meeting. Create a Facebook group. Um, you know, you get to, get to see everybody on Facebook some pictures. So be mindful that there's, there's Facebook etiquette as well that we got to keep in, uh, keep in mind that make sure you, you're comfortable with the photos. Make sure that, that, uncle that's out there that's a little bit on the edge as far as uh, views you know you want to you want to block him a little bit and because uh, it's unnecessary so uh, do that but most importantly you know follow up with the individuals that that you meet in the in a zoom meeting um send an email uh it's it's our way of sending the the handwritten notes or letters that we would send to people after after you had a uh, interview for a job so send out an email everybody likes to see an email thank them for uh for getting to meet you um, and just try to make a, make a connection. Um, the other thing is connect with them on other social media, media platforms. You know, LinkedIn, uh, is, is a great way for career development. Um, and it's definitely something that should be, should be followed after Zoom meetings as well. And lastly, you know, if you want to go old school, pick up the phone, give the person a call. Um, you know, now the days of text and technology, uh, it's always good to hear a voice on the other end once in a while. So BJ, let's talk about after the pandemic. Things are, you know, somewhat as normal as they can be. Do you see Zoom still playing a part in networking and career development? Without a doubt. It's, it's here to stay. Um, and it's, it's kind of changed how we interact with individuals. And I think it's a, it's a huge benefit. Um, not only can you do it in person, um, but now you can do it in via virtual and, and Zoom. 
So uh, it, it, there's plenty of benefits that we've talked about uh, that it creates. So I think it's here to say it's got a place and you should all use it to our advantage. Um, but you know what you need to do for career development and networking is, is set yourself up now. Take take advantage of uh, kind of way, you know, life gave us lemons with, with this pandemic. Let's make some lemonade, right? So we know how to use Zoom now. We've made some connections. And use it to your advantage going going forward in, in, in person and in Zoom. I mean, the prime example is is what we're doing here. Uh, you know, our leadership academy. We're class eight. We've uh, we've never met in person. We've only met through through Zoom uh, so far. So uh, I think we've kind of built a bond. And I I kind of venture to say that once we meet in person, that bond is going to be much stronger than perhaps just if we ever met in person instead of Zoom. Uh, what kind of what we've gone through here and and the connections we've made and and being able to communicate through Zoom, I, I see I see that bond being stronger. So uh, take that as an example. Use that for yourself. Put career development, networking on the front burner. Use Zoom to your advantage. Wow. The three of you have really given us a better perspective about our recent challenges and how to overcome them. I wish we could talk longer, but I believe that it's all the time we have for today. On behalf of the Leadership Academy Class 8, let me thank each of you again for your time and speaking with us, giving us a glimpse inside the world of career challenges during a pandemic. That will wrap up our discussion of career challenges during a pandemic. Thanks for joining us today on the Limited Liability Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to check out the other episodes to learn more about raising the bar and leading the bar. 